0: How many of you know that God's grace and favor is greater than any sin, any problem we have? Jesus has a way of coming in and changing an atmosphere. He changes hearts. He touches lepers and he cleanses them. He eats with sinners and he draws them and it's because of his Presence. It wasn't just the message. There was a presence on Jesus that just infiltrated the darkness and the confusion in the minds of people. And I want to just say to you today that God wants you to be so filled and so just filled with Him to overflowing, amen? There is no problem. There's no issue in your life that His grace and His power cannot overcome as we were singing this morning and uh, I believe God is just kind of activating some things he's drawing you and here's the thing he's coming to you with compassion he's coming to you with a tremendous sense of vision for your life Larry appreciated that word today right on same thing with the song of the Lord uh, through CJ this morning I want to just say this there's many of you as well that God wants to just not only release, release a prophetic ministry and gift, not in here, but even outside. Amen. I want to share something. My wife and I, this past week, we went to the Olive Garden. And we had a, just to show you how hungry people are, we were sitting, and uh, I can't remember the name of the lady that was waiting on us, but she uh, was waiting and taking our order. And I just popped this question so often. I'll just say, how's your day? And she says, why would you ask that? And she just started to tear up. She says, you really want to know what my day's like. I have four children. I have a husband at home that will not work. And the whole burden of finances is on my back. We've moved from Michigan, somewhere up there, down to Dallas. We're living with my mom. Just a whole lot of things going wrong. And I just feel this in. Carol and I, we just ministered to her, gave her heart, our card. I just said a prayer over here and just said, We're, we want, we'd love to talk to you. And she says, "You, you, would you do it? Oh, she said, "This like, I can't pay. I said, we don't charge. We're interested in you. It's about you. But it's not just us. It's the Holy Spirit chasing you. He's coming after you. He loves you. You know, sometimes in that world, they're so overwhelmed with all their issues and problems, and they're really kind of asking, well, where's God? If God really loves me, where's he at? Well, he's knocking on the door of your heart. You know, one of the biggest things that we've got to learn is learn to listen, even in the confusion. Learn to open your heart when you're even confused, because he is speaking to you. In fact, he's really trying to help you to overcome and give you strength. Amen. I want you to jump with me into Malachi chapter 1. I'm speaking this month on the subject of first fruits and tithing in giving. It's a subject that I I have to say I was reluctant to talk about until I was on this cruise this past year with my wife. We, We took a cruise on our vacation in March, and the Lord really... Sit down and he just rebuked me out of the blue. He says, the Lord, the Lord says, Ray, you are robbing my people. That's so what he said. You, Ray, you're robbing my people. I said, What do you mean I'm robbing your people? He says, Because you will not bring the truth that will set them free. And so I repented. And, uh, you know, this is my excuse because. I've had so many visitors that have come through our church over the years, and they're so tired of hearing the message on seed faith and prosperity and this and that. So I I know that people have been hit with this so many times. But one of the things we need to realize that beyond the prosperity, so much of the message is give so you can just get. But that's not the purpose of why God wants to bless you. God doesn't bless you with increase. And increase just isn't just your finances. It does include that. God wants you to be blessed. He wants your bills to get paid. But he really wants to give you a revelation of your heavenly father. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. There's something about the nature and the very essence of the father that when we captivate and capture what it is to be a giver like our Heavenly Father instead of a taker or a person in fear thinking that I'm losing by giving, when we begin to captivate what He is, and you begin to move into this aspect of generosity. I want everyone to say generosity. So the purpose of us giving isn't just to a church. We are to bring the tithe into the storehouse for the extension of the kingdom. But the purpose of that is to reach our community. Amen? How many of you believe God wants you? Turn to your neighbor and say, There's light in you. There's There's light in you. There's light on you. Do you know that you are attractive? You're attractive. There's an attraction on you until you realize that it's not about you. It's not your looks, but it's the Holy Spirit in you. You're attractive. There's something about you that that people want to be close to. Do you know why? Because you have peace in the storm. You have a message of hope when it's hopeless. You're married. You you, you, You just carry a life giving power that transmits a sense of vision when people look at you they say you know you're a little strange because you just you seem to have your life in order even though everything is in disorder why 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 is there order in your life why are you still married after 41 years why well how did you make it See, that's life. Now, I know we have a lot of people divorced, but guess what? God can even take divorced people. God can take different kinds of people. And he can still shift and turn things around and bring glory to his name. The devil does not write the final chapter. God does. In fact, when you're withering, when you're dying, when life seems to fall apart, the Bible says that rivers flow In the desert, Isaiah 41, it goes to a desert. And guess what? The water always goes to the lowest place. If you are in the lowest place, there's water to be found. The presence, his spirit is there to be found in the deepest, darkest place. And guess what? You shine and you're filled. And then he rises, raises you and uses the darkness. He uses the darkness of your testimony to bring deliverance and healing to others. Some of us today carry testimony through the memories of our life. There's things in our life that were deeply hurt, wounded, possibly anger, uh, embarrassment, shame. And what Satan meant to captivate, hold, and incarcerate and imprison you with, God wants to take your testimony and launch you into a place where his glory can be seen. And that's what he did with the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I'm the least. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But his grace... I love this. His grace was not in vain. Everyone say, I, I. my, say it this way my life my is, not is not in vain. vain. You were powerful, you're amazing. You may say, oh, pastor, that's just arrogance. You're putting yourself in a pride thing. No, I'm not. I'm saying what he says about me. I'm his child. He loves me. He's empowered me. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. And he wants me to call those things that are not. He wants me to speak life to where there's death. He wants me to have a vision where there's a nightmare. He wants you to rise and understand that there is seed in your life. So when it comes to this concept of giving, it's not about what you have. In fact, let me tell you something. He doesn't even need he doesn't even need what you have. Amen. He doesn't need your wealth. He's not out to take from you. What he's trying to do is open a door. Yeah. And when he sees faith, when there's the operation of faith and you begin to step through that faith and say I'm going You know what, let me tell you. When you begin to move in faith, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. There's some trauma. Do you know why? Because God, through giving, is striking at the very heart of the fear in your life. And that fear is losing control. Because we want to control. Guess what? What you control, you have to maintain. When you put God first through tithing, guess what? Your problem now because His problem. But when you hang on to what belongs to God, the Bible says it is a curse. You bring a curse. Oh, Pastor Ray, I don't receive that. We're under a new covenant. It still, it still abides. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't mean you lost your salvation. It doesn't mean that you don't have a, a promise in heaven. But what it means is you've turned the spigot off. You can't be blessed. See, God is a giving God. He's a giving. He loves you to give because he wants you to be blessed. Amen. Can we turn this Uh, overhead on just for a second. The first fruits, we're going to just roughly go for a few minutes. When God is truly first, there's a principle, there is a principle in hermeneutics called the first mention principle. And what God says in the first time, for instance, in the book of Genesis, the principle of first fruits goes all the way through scripture. It's a principle when you come to studying scripture. It's called the first mentioned principle. Notice the scripture in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. We all know this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his rightness or right ways. Yeah. What is right in the sight of the Lord. That's Righteousness. When he begins to, you, he calls us righteous and so we are righteous and it's because of what he's done on the cross for us. When we were dead, he raised us, we've been baptized, immersed, raised in the power of resurrection. New creatures in Christ and now he wants us to begin to think. So when it says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I love the promise, and all these things, everyone say thanks. How many of you need some things to work in your life? Maybe there's some things. There's some breakthrough. There's some things you're praying about. The Bible says, and all these things shall be subtracted from you. Everyone say added. See, God is a God who adds when he is first. Now, what does it mean when he is first? It means I pray first. It means I seek him first. James chapter 4 says today, it says, You Who go here and there and buy and sell and do this and that. He says, you ought not to say these things. In the book of James, I believe it's chapter 3 or 4. It says, but you ought, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will go here, do this, buy, see. In other words, one of the things I tell people in counseling, have you prayed about it? First, have you sought the mind of God? 1st We're in a problem. I'm in a marriage problem. Have you really taken it to God first? Do you know that God has a plan for every situation? When he is first, that means that he's elevated. It means that he is the one that you look to. It also means that when you put him first, you become first. But you you must become second. Maybe third, fourth. Maybe even if you have a dog, fifth or sixth. But he must become first. To be first, there is a principle in God. In the the Garden of Eden, God put Adam in the garden, chapter 2, and it says this. And it says that Adam was to be the keeper, and he was to tend the garden. One of the ways that we know we're seeking first the kingdom is we are no longer owners but stewards of what God has given. When I begin to own something, that means I make my own plans. I do what I want. That's a dangerous place. But a true child of God is a steward. He recognizes that everything that I have belongs to Him. Everything. My job, my health, my kids. They're not my kids. It's not even my ministry. It's not my money. Not my kids. Not even my dog or cat. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when God placed Adam in the garden, he said, You're not to own it, you're to tend it and keep it. You're a steward of the garden. Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that Cain and Abel brought an offering before the Lord. It says Cain brought an offering of his produce, but it says that Abel, Abel, the younger brother, brought the first fruits of his flock. And it says his offering was acceptable. How many of you want an acceptable offering? Amen. Then you come into the book of Leviticus. There's other passages in the book of Leviticus. I want to read this. Keep your hand on uh, Malachi 1, but I just want, I want you to read this. Now this was the time of the law. I understand that. This was the time of the giving of the law. In the book of Leviticus chapter 23, I just want you to read what the Lord here specifies to the children of Israel concerning the land it says speak to the children of Israel and say to them when you come into the land which I will give you that's the blessing of the Lord and you begin to reap its harvest you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests God spoke to Israel. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, that was under the law. Aren't we under law? not under the law? Well, let's go back and then to Genesis chapter 22. This is when God gave a promise to Abraham. How many of you remember the story of Abraham? God gave him a promise, both him and his wife. His wife was barren. She couldn't bring forth fruit. And so in 25 years, God gave a promise. It took 25 years from the beginning of the promise to the fulfillment of the promise. But through the season of that promise, they got in a hurry. How many here have ever gotten in a hurry? I have. I can put a leg up and two arms. And it created an Ishmael. He married, coming to a covenant with Hagar, His wife's mistress, because they had no child and they wanted a child. So they begin to try to make something happen apart from the will of God. You know, what's so amazing about God. God still blessed Ishmael. The blessing of the Lord was on Ishmael, even though there was a mistake. Now, I'm not suggesting that God blesses sin in any way, shape or form. But we do know that God blessed that young man, blessed his mother. I want you to know that you might feel that your life has been like an Ishmael. I've made decisions and got myself into a mess. God still hears from heaven. He still knocks on the door. It is a God who says, if you'll come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He's a God of a fresh beginning. But we find that when God fulfilled his promise in Genesis chapter 22, 21, God, it says, Then the Lord visited Sarah and opened up her womb and gave birth, and his name shall be called Isaac. And you know what Isaac's name means? Laughter. Joy. How many of you could use some more laughter? Amen. God wants to bring some laughter and joy in your life. Christianity is not boring. It's not dull. If you think it is, you're listening to the devil. There's a demonic power that would like to suggest to every person that serving God is a lie. There's a spirit even in our land today, even with our young people, serving God, it's it's not good. No, it's powerful. There's a lie that we need to address. There is no greater fulfillment. There's nothing more powerful than when you begin to seek first that God begins to add to your life. By the way, it may not be in the form of monetary and material things. Sometimes that blessing is just the peace of God in your own home. The true prosperity of life isn't just a big fat checkbook. Sometimes it's the fact that God just gives you a sense of purpose. I know where I'm going. Things may be falling around me, but the Lord is on my side and I shall not be moved. That's prosperity. You go through, maybe there's a health crisis. I'm seeking Him. Guess what, God? I got a problem. Maybe there's disease in my body. My body is yours. The atonement, the blessing, the curse was laid on Him so I can be healed by His stripes. I don't look at my body. We don't look at the circumstance. We, by faith, claim those promises, though we can't see them. We call those things that are not as though they are. That's faith. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then one day, God, in Genesis chapter 22, we get into Genesis 22, God begins to do something that just tweaks and just kind of puts a crack in Abraham's mind. But take it, keep in mind, based in Genesis chapter 11. Powerful promise, powerful insight here. But God tells Abraham, Abraham, you're to take your only son. By the way, from the time... That he was born, listen to this, from the time that Isaac was born to the time that God spoke to him to offer his son was 49 years. Guess what 49 represents? Jubilee. It was the time of Jubilee, the 49th and the 50th year, the year of double portion, the year of breakthrough and healing. It was exactly 49 years. When Isaac was offered on the Mount Moriah, he was 23 years old. By the way, Abraham was well over 100. And God says, when Isaac says, well, Dad, uh, where's the sacrifice? We've got the wood, we've got the fire, we've got everything, but where's the sacrifice? You're up. You're up. The... But you know what's amazing about Isaac? He so trusted what his dad had said. I don't believe there was... You know what? Today, I know that would be considered child abuse. But you know what? He so trusted his dad because his dad was conveying to Isaac that God is good. And do you know what it says here? I've got to take you to this passage too. Jump with me. I want you to see something about giving. Genesis chapter 22. Sometimes we just read things and we go over, we gloss over it. We don't even see the issues and the importance of something like this. <clears throat> but I want, I want to show you something. It's a powerful text. It says in God, verse 1, chapter 22, verse 1, and that God tested Abraham, said to him, Abraham, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son. This is the firstborn. This is the first. Your son, Isaac, whom you love. How many, why, why would God ask me of something, what I love? Because he wants to make sure that he's more important than what you love. You know, the Lord asked me a question a couple of years ago. Because I asked the Lord this. I'm just going to be very vulnerable right now. I asked the Lord a question, I said, Lord, why why won't our church grow? Why aren't we growing numerically? And he said, Ray, do you think, is that more important to you than your love? What if I chose for you to maintain your size to reach your city, would you understand that that's okay with me? Because I'm not interested in just numeric growth. I I had a person, no no kidding, tell me this. They're, They're not in our church, never was. But this one person said, you know what, Ray, if you would preach more grace, your church would grow. I said, well, we're always preaching and teaching grace and the principles of truth all the time. But I said, you know, if you really want to define success and really look into the scripture, when Jesus was coming to the cross, when he came into Jerusalem, there were people that were... Think about this. When Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday... He was so popular, and the reason why he was popular during that time is because he just raised Lazarus from the dead. In fact, the Pharisees not only wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus again, even though he was raised from the dead. But here's the point. When Jesus began to make statements like this, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, it says all of his, most of his followers departed from him. And then when Jesus was betrayed, all of the 11 or 12 left him. If you define success only by growth and not by purpose, sometimes God puts us into a situation. And the Lord really began to test me. He said, "Ray, why are you pastoring? What is your purpose? Are you willing to lay down what you think you should be and what you think the church should be? Are you willing to love me in spite of it and accept what I've given? The Bible says in Acts 2, it says the Lord, the Lord adds to the church. You don't want man adding to the church. How many of you believe we need to be added by his Holy Spirit? But back here in this text, the Lord tells Abraham, he says, I want you to take your son whom you love and go, now notice, and go, go where? Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to the mountains of which, listen, you're to go to the mountain, I tell you to go to. He didn't say you offer anyway. He says you're to offer your son at the mountain I tell you to go. Let me tell you why. Because there's no provision until you connect with where he says you're to be. The provision, the ram, was in the place where God told him to go. See, in America today, I'll give. I'll do and give where I want. That's not the principle with God's word. It's not enough to just give. I need to give where he tells me to go. Are you following the text here? It's right in the book. I, and by the way, that that's another first mentioned principle. God told Israel, he says, when you come with the, the three times a year, the men are to bring, they're to bring their first fruits to the priests, to the storehouse. It started there. I want you to turn my next uh, slide here. Very important key. I want you to listen to this. Unless your awareness of God's goodness and faithfulness exceeds your fears and concerns for the sacrifice you are making while you're obeying, you will never come to know the blessing of God. You see, one of the reasons why we don't give is we feel I'm losing something. Unless your awareness of God's goodness and faithfulness exceeds your fears and concerns about the... See, so many of us think, if I tithe, I'm losing money. If I give, I'm out. I, 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 what am I going to do? See, the, the problem there is that your, your understanding of God is a god Who's just out, some people have this, God's just trying to get me to give because he's trying to work character in me. That is not why God's trying to get you to give. He's not out trying to work character in you. The reason why he wants you to give is so he can break the curse and open the windows of heaven. How many of you want the windows of heaven I do? This is not about a God, I think I'll see if how much blood I can pull out of him. They're going to offer Isaac, so I so I can just see if I can watch the guy sweat. There's people that have that mindset. That's not the kind of God we serve. How many fathers do we have in here? How many of you fathers love to bless your kids? I, I love to bless my kids. I love to bless my grandkids. You know what? I don't sing that song at Christmas. Uh, if I can remember, it says, if you're, if you're naughty, you're nice. You know, Santa Claus is coming to that. He, See, if, he's seeing if you're naughty. He knows when you're awake. Some people translate that kind of thinking into God. He knows if you are bad or good. So be good, for goodness' sake. Do you know what that kind of philosophy is? It's called legalism, it's the law. So you better try harder. I better be good so Santa will come down the chimney and give me more. We translate that kind of thinking into the kingdom. Get away, get rid of that song. He doesn't come to you because you're naughty or nice. He comes to you because he's just good. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that he reigns on the just and the unjust. He's a good God. You may say, well, I'm sitting here in sin today and I just know God's angry. No, He's not. He took His anger out on His Son. He loves you. He wins you by His love. It's His goodness that He's continually knocking on the door of your heart. You may say, I blaspheme, I quit. I gave up on God. I've sinned. I've fallen into immorality. I'm into drugs. I've done everything wrong. He says, Son, daughter, He stands like a prodigal father. He says, If you come home, I will throw a party. I'll put a ring on your finger. I'll put a robe to cover your nakedness. I'll put shoes, which testifies the identity of a son. Only sons wore shoes. And then he begins to rejoice. The Bible says he celebrates the fact that his lost son came home. Let me tell you, you, unless your awareness of God is greater than your concern about the sacrifice of tithing and giving, you'll never get blessed. I've got to come to, you know why I'm giving? I'm not giving so I can earn something or get something. He's already given it to me. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says the Spirit speaks expressively. And it also says there, it says that the Spirit of God searches the mind of men and it speaks to us of all the things that He has given to us freely. It's so powerful. I want you to jump with me to Matthew chapter 1. I got a few minutes and I got to quit. You know what? God was so good in the worship service today. I just can't forget what happened there. That was just amazing. You know what, CJ? Thank you for singing that song. And I'm not trying to flatter her. I, I just, I'm so grateful for it. Larry, thank you for giving that word. Do you know some of us? We need to get off that chair. That, that I, I feel like per, come some come down and just pulling some of you out here and just putting a mic in your hand and just launching you. <clears throat> some of you have had words, and you said, "Well, not me. I can't sing. I can't talk. I can't look at people. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Can't can't. Just get over you." And, and let's and let's realize that you really are a blessing. I want to tell you something. I had, um, several, several years ago, my wife and I had a big uh, blowout in our house. Uh, not a, our house, but we, we had a real strong disservice. We, we were fighting. Not, I wasn't knocking her out. She wasn't knocking me out. But we were fighting. And I can't even remember what the issue was. Guess what? I had to come and preach that Sunday. That was Sunday morning. It kind of a rolled over on a Saturday night. Usually our battles don't go from Saturday to Sunday, but that, that one did. And, you know, I, I, I felt like maybe I ought to have John speak on that Sunday. I just had, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to do it. I said, God, I can't speak. In my, I've had a rough time with my wife. She says, you can make this clean real quick, right? I, and you know what I said to the Lord? I said, it's her fault. She is the problem. See, I'm a type A personality. My my wife's type B, And we are, you know, we're truly opposites. But I I realize she is an amazing gift. And she really is in my life. But in that Sunday, it it was amazing what happened. I came to the service feeling completely unprepared and weak. And the Holy Spirit said, do not have anyone. You are going to speak to the church. I said, God, I am unclean. And I was unclean because I was holding on. And here's here's the symptom of my uncleanness. It was pride. I didn't want to let go because I was fighting for what was right. And the Lord said, I want you to go. It's not about a right or wrong issue. It's about reconciliation. It's about healing. I want you to go and love her. Just tell her, your spirit was wrong. You don't have to get into the objective issues, but you need to deal with showing compassion and love. So I did that with her. We prayed. She prayed. My wife was very gracious. I got up that Sunday, and I remember getting up, not even following my notes on that Sunday. At the end of the, the, end of, the, end of the service, I had more people, not, not that I looked for this, but I had more people say, man, Pastor Ray, preach an amazing service. And I'm thinking, How? I just had, if you only knew that that morning I was not going to forgive my wife, and then something happened. Do you know that when you are in your weakest, most vulnerable time, it's when the Holy Spirit can use you? Don't disqualify yourself. And I said, Lord, what happened? He says, I want you to learn something. Right? I want you to trust in my faithfulness and my goodness. You know what, there was something in my spirit I really felt that I needed a little bit of a good track record before I get up and preach. So I needed about two weeks of really overcoming, being nice to my wife, being nice to you, being nice to the dog and the cat. And now I'm ready to preach. Because I got an A on my report card in my own thinking. God doesn't use report cards like you do. Do you know you grade yourself? And many of us fail. Some of us are before failing. We just kind of dropped out of the class in, a, in the, in the road in life. And God says, "Put or what, burn your report cards because the report card has already been satisfied, taken care of at the cross. Jesus wrote it off. He wrote off the handwriting and the requirements of the law. And he's raised you, seated you together with him in heavenly places. Now, that doesn't give me a license to go through life with pride. I had to make things with my wife. I had to do that, and I did. Not because I was preaching, but the Holy Spirit said, You're gonna speak. I said, Lord, I can't do this. John's got a word, he can do it. You know, by the way, you have no idea how many times. I wish John's on a vacation, but I've asked John so many times to take things just because I didn't want to. You know, aren't you glad that God put a guy like me in here? <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's not because I'm, I'm not a great feeder. I've had a lot of people say, Ray, you don't Phoebe, you don't teach, you don't preach. I've had a lot of that. And I I'm okay with that. Because here's the reason why. I'm not responsible for me being here. I didn't put me here. I wasn't even looking for this. By the way, neither was John and neither was David. None of us were out looking for a career in the ministry. I had a great career in Portland. God uses the weak. He uses the foolish. He uses the things that are not. The things that are rejected. He puts the wrong. Do you know what's amazing? John in the Bible was this guy that was articulate. He was polished. John in John chapter 21 especially. This guy was an amazing man of God. A compassionate. The guy had insight. Tremendous ability to connect with people. But in the book of Acts, guess who God uses? The most brash. The most difficult Peter I would have never sent Peter to the house of Cornelius I would have sent John or Andrew people that have a little more polished ability to connect with people but God sends Peter this rash brash big mouth why would God use something like that I don't know You know, whether it's giving your money, tithing, whether it's giving yourself, just giving yourself room to make mistakes, giving yourself an opportunity when you even say you can't give, you can't serve, you can't share is the time when the Holy Spirit takes our weakness and He gives us His grace. When I saw that woman, our waiter at the table this week, She still hasn't called us. And one of the things I've learned over 30 years of ministry is that even though people are hurting and in a lot of pain, as soon as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to them, there's a demonic element that seeks to sabotage what God wants to do in their life. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, He who went out sowing good seeds, scattered the seed. It says, immediately Satan came. You know, <clears throat> giving is not just about you taking your money, giving your money, your time to be generous to people. God wants you to know that when you cross that threshold, you begin to experience a revelation of supernatural. Can you go to my last four points and I'm done? I'm not going to get into Malachi. I will... By the way, next week is Mother's Day. Praise God. I'm not going to be sharing on this, but I got a, a word for moms. Awesome words. Boy, bring the unsaved moms. We're going to just wrap them in the arms of Jesus next week. We are going to honor and appreciate moms next week. Moms are awesome. But I want you to realize God's plan to bless you <clears throat> when we respond. He, I have to respond to it. the blessings there. I need to respond. I need to respond. God is after your heart, not your money. He's never been after you. He doesn't need your money. He's after you. That was what he was after with Isaac. He didn't need Isaac. It wasn't about testing him. It wasn't about breaking him down. It wasn't about watching him sweat. God was preparing him. Listen to this. God was preparing him for a promise. And this was the promise. To make him a father of many nations. I have to learn to walk through the dark to be able to give people light. If you reject the dark, if you reject, the, if you reject that, then you'll never move into the dimension of a genuine, true prosperity and blessing. The third thing, God uses money to refuel. I don't, that's the wrong word. God uses money to, uh, I can't remember, things inside you to, to reveal, not refuel. God uses money to reveal things inside of you. That's kind of a funny word. Uh, as well as proving a supernatural provision. And <clears throat> giving, the last thing, is a mystery. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2. It says, Paul says, we don't speak in the words of wisdom, but in the wisdom that has been hidden through the ages. There's a mystery. There's a mystery in giving. When I begin to give, it says, and I love what Paul says, this mystery has been revealed for your for your glory. There's something about giving, whether it's money, your time, your ministry, your life, just your heart, your love for people. I want to say something here. I, I'm, I so appreciate uh, Becky Foster here. We had a dinner. at. Uh, well, she, she ministers, and Carol and I have gone to a couple of her dinners. This woman has such a heart and a burden and a vision for our firemen and policemen in our city. And she has a little ministry, and she gives. <clears throat> and Becky, I want to tell you something. Carol and I are so blown away what what, we, what you did on that last dinner. Honoring one of those firemen that have served. And what I see that she is doing is just bringing the life and the love of God. She's giving her time. She's honoring these men and women who are on the front lines, first uh, responders in situations, but she's honoring through her time and giving and you know what? It elevates these people to realize what I'm doing is not for nothing. And I just so appreciate, Becky, your heart in giving to people like this. And, you know, she's, she's not making noise about it. She just doesn't. I believe God wants us all to realize, you know, I want to say something. The Lord some, showed me something. I want to be careful how I say this, but next year we're going into an election year. The Lord showed me that we are going to see a lot of things in our city that is going to break down. But he says, out of the darkness, people are going to flood to the light. They're going to come to Christ. I really believe that when things fall apart outside, things get brighter inside and people will begin to come. And the reason it gets brighter is because of the hope. It's because of the glory. It's because of the giving nature in you. Amen. You know what, that's what revival, revival isn't just getting blessed here. Revival is when communities change. Revival takes place is when the impact of our community begins to transform. It's not just having a little bless me outpouring of a rain shower in the church. But it's when we begin to touch our community. The purpose of giving is to be a blessing. It's not not giving to get, it's giving to bless. Amen? Amen? By the way, you guys are amazing givers. I so appreciate you, many of you, tithing, your giving, your blessing. Uh, Harold's just come back from Cambodia, amazing opening up wells. I mean, just Harold's just kind of spearheaded that. Uh, Bill and Judy are going back to Cambodia, touching base with people. This church is connecting. Praise God.